0: Thank you for listening to the Habits and Hustle podcast made possible by our friends at TrueNiogen. So I've been a huge fan of True TrueNiogen for years, and I'm excited to share that I've recently began partnering with them. I literally don't miss a day taking it and think if you're only going to take one supplement, this is the one. And here's why, with, of course, a little bit of added science lesson for you. Our bodies produce a molecule called NAD, which is critical for cellular energy and repair. But the levels sadly decline as we age. A nutrient that can help increase our NAD is a form of vitamin B3 called nicotamide robicide, that's a mouthful, or otherwise known as NR. The most efficient way to get this is with a supplement like triniogen because it's the best NAD precursor. True Niagen helps support our bodies against everyday stressors that can damage our cells like overeating, drinking, or staying up too late. In my opinion, no one is too young to take it. I wish I had known about this in my early 30s because I would have been all over it. What's most amazing is that True Niagen is backed by 18 clinical trials and has the endorsements of two Nobel Prize winning scientists. Go check it out at trueniagen.com That's trueniagin, T-R-U-N-I-A-G-N. And we have a special offer for new customers to receive 20% off orders of $100 or more using the code HUSTLE20. Definitely run, don't walk to scoop them up today. Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. Today on the podcast, we have Jordan Syatt. Now, guys, if you don't know who Jordan is, you should. He is a fitness trainer, a nutritional coach. His first claim to fame was he was Gary Vaynerchuk's personal trainer for many years and traveled the world with him. But Jordan made a name for himself in his own right because he is a no-nonsense trainer who kind of tells you like it is with no bullshit type of thing. And his information is... Super practical, which is why I like him so much. And he's also hilarious. He also is one of the only people in the world to deadlift four times his own body weight. This guy is everything. This episode, we talk all about weight loss, fat loss, the myths, the tricks, all those different diet trends, fads. We have it all on today's episode. So I really hope you enjoy it. It is a great conversation. Jordan is super knowledgeable and he breaks down things in a way, like I said, that's super actionable and super practical, which I think is so important in today's day. So enjoy this podcast with Jordan. Leave me a comment. Leave me a review. Let me know what you think. Enjoy. It seems to me like you kind of grew really quickly, right? Like once you started really taking it seriously, I feel like you kind of got traction, fast.
1: Yeah. I uh, So I started my website in July of 2011.
0: Um, oh, you so. did. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Why. I found you like three or four years ago and I just like fell in love with you. Like, I mean, in terms of your content, not you personally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh I mean, it, it's funny, like the whole, like, uh, it's a lot of overnight success is like seven to 10 years in the making. Totally true. I, I think that's been, sort of like a very similar with my case. Like I started my website in July, 2011 and I wrote, I wrote at least one article a week every single week from 2011 to 2015 and started my Instagram in 2014, but that didn't really take off until like 2017. So like, it it was a lot of work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Sure. A
1: long time. Yeah.
0: But what do you think? Why why do you think that it hit or it started to really kind of gain a lot of traction in 2017? Do you think that just because you put the effort in, and then that's how long it takes, or did you change your, I guess, the way you kind of uh, give content your approach?
1: So, sort of all of that, basically. I was challenged to post three times a day, every day on Instagram. Um, Do do you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? Of
0: course. course, He's been on this podcast before many times. I've been on his podcast. He's been on my podcast. And I know that you were actually, I should say that, you know, you were his trainer for three years and you, every day you worked out with him, Right
1: correct yeah yeah yep. so tell so, people the
0: background so like who you are here's a great way you can instead of me just being you're a personal trainer and a nutrition coach <laughs> yeah. I, I think one of the best ones on instagram and social media how would you describe like your background and how you started yes yeah, so
1: i mean so, so i, I got, got into fitness, fitness from from, from wrestling. wrestling i started wrestling when i was like eight years old and um I fell in love with it. Like, I, you know, I'm a short, bald Jewish guy. Like, I come from a very, like, small family and, uh, like, and small as in, like, height and stature and everything. And my mom wanted my brother and I to be able to defend ourselves. So, she walked in the room one day in the living room and I was lying on the couch and she was like, I want you to be able to defend yourself. So, I'm going to put you in a wrestling. And the only wrestling that I knew at eight years old was WWF. So I remember I was like, you want me to hit someone with a chair? And she was like, no, like Olympic style wrestling. And so I got involved in that and I absolutely loved it. I just, I got obsessed. I ended up making varsity as a freshman in high school. Um, But so I was good from a technique perspective and endurance perspective. But uh, uh, from a strength perspective, I was 14 going up against mainly 17, 18 year old kids. And there's a huge disparity Mm -hmm. there so i applied to a gym a couple towns over for me outside boston when i was 14 and i was like i'll take the trash out i'll clean the floors i'll do whatever you want just like let me learn from you and work here and uh they took me under their wing and they were super science-based and that's how i got in the industry and i I fell in love with it and i knew that's what i wanted to do ever since and so i've been coaching people ever since i was 14 and um and then you know i started started competing in powerlifting and I started to make a name for myself in powerlifting. I was, uh, you know, again, super small guy, but I was fortunate to be very strong. Um, I was lifting more than most guys who were double and like 1.5 times my size. So, wow. um, I got a lot of attention that way. And I got a lot of attention also because like, I'm not like a big Jack dude, so I'm not like super big and bulky, but like very strong. So I, the, the, my claim to fame is I deadlifted four times my body weight. I was at 132 pounds. I deadlifted 530 pounds. And, um, a lot of women specifically were like, I want to get strong and I don't want to get big and bulky and this guy is doing that. Like this guy is not like a typical meathead. He's not huge and big and bulky, but he's super strong. So I started growing my business, like teaching women how to get stronger without like getting huge, just like teaching them the training methodology for that. Um, What was it?
0: I mean, I know like, yeah, what was the method
1: back then? So, so it's still similar to what it is now. It's just the, the main when you want to get stronger without getting bigger, uh, you have to be very cautious of how much total volume you're doing. Um, and so a lot of people, for example, a lot of people think low weights, high reps is like the best way to, to tone or like to get like these um, to, to not get big. When in reality, it's actually you're going to get a lot bigger doing that like that will grow your muscle size not necessarily make you stronger but it will grow your muscle size uh and so when you want to get stronger you have to lift heavier but you don't want to do too much of it so it's number one reducing the the total volume but also working on a lot of more like plyometric movements and exercises a lot more on speed and power and rate of force development Because if we look at if like if we look at force, the the equation for force, force equals mass times acceleration, and I'm not going to get in like a whole physics discussion, but like force equals mass times acceleration. So if you want to get stronger, you want to increase force. One way you could do it is by lifting heavier weight through mass. But the other half of the equation is acceleration. Like in the, it's equally important and mass and acceleration are equally important, but a lot of people, they pay no attention to the speed that they're doing things at. They pay no attention to their rate of force development or any of that. So teaching people how to get faster and be more explosive will increase their force development. So are you Um, saying like
0: plyometrics, like explosive movements, like give me an example.
1: Kettlebell swings, uh, kettlebell swings are one of my favorite, like kettle, like I think kettlebells are one of the best tools in fitness. Um, you can do a lot of the same things with dumbbells and whatnot and bands and stuff like that. But I think kettlebells are a great way to improve speed and power and rate of force development as well. So kettlebell swings, different jumping variations. Um, you don't, uh, the reason i stay away from jumping especially with new people is because you know they can be very stressful on your joints and yeah. a lot of people they're they're not ready for jumping but kettlebells are a great way to improve your your speed and force and power without necessarily having that impact on your joints
0: right i was going to say that too. i was going to ask you because like especially as you get older right like i'm I, I used to be great with those like plyometric jumps on those boxes but now yep. like my ankles are a little bit like not so great or my knees. So would you say that I'm not that so an alternative to doing that to get strength would be those kettlebell swings, right?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I think kettlebells are, are probably the best way to do it to be honest. Just like for health and longevity.
0: What so so what other can you give us other other ones so if you can't jump, so you say kettlebell swings for strength, what else if you don't have a kettlebell?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if you don't have a kettlebell, you could literally do all the same stuff with, with a dumbbell. You could do all the same movements. It's just the grip is a little bit yeah. easier with the kettlebell. Um, but also you could, it's not necessarily about which exercise, it's about how you perform the exercise. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that for me is where a lot of people overlook. It's like, it's, it's, uh, you could do a movement super, super, super slow, And there is a time and a place for that, which is totally fine, but you can also do the exact same movement more quickly and explosively. So for example, a cable pull through, if we're looking at a cable pull through, that's literally the exact same motion as a kettlebell swing. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same motion, just you have different force vector, um, and, and the different loading aspect. So, or Romanian deadlifts. You could do a a more speed focused Romanian deadlift, exact same motion as a kettlebell swing, different tool, right? So you focus on making sure you actually don't necessarily load it up as heavy as possible, slightly lighter weight and focus more on speed and power and you'll increase your strength.
0: That's great. So then basically anything like a, a hinge from the hip with power up, basically what you're saying.
1: Is yeah, you can do it with a goblet squat as well. You can do it with a goblet squat or a lunge, like literally a push up even like uh, any of these things, you can add a speed component to them. And what it does is it recruits more motor units and more muscle fibers. And it allows you to get stronger without necessarily getting bigger at the same time.
0: And then how would you say, okay, so I love your part when you talk about like the, the stupidest exercises, the best exercise. Okay. So would you say in your opinion, what are the top five best overall exercises to get overall fit and strong mm. and, and and lean?
1: Best number one is walking. Like walking is without just the best exercise. It's a lot of people don't call it an exercise. And I just think they're idiots. Um, it's it's with. It's the most researched and and most easiest and underestimated form of exercise in the world. If you look at the the populations of people who are the longest living and healthiest, they walk the most. Mm -hmm. They get anywhere usually from like 7,500 to 16,000 steps a day on average. And they are the healthiest, longest living people in the entire world. Uh, so walking is it's, you don't need anything special for it. You don't need a gym. You don't just like walking is without question. If I could only pick one, that would be number one. Um, from there, if we're going to get more into like specifics of like actual more exercises you could do in the gym, I would say, um, well, wait, walking
0: is great for your overall cardio, of course. Um, and, but how about in terms of walking is not going to tone you up though?
1: No, no, it's not. No.
0: So there's a difference between, I think, okay, let's break it down a a little bit more for overall, um, fat loss or, uh, more lean muscle mass. Can you just tell Mm -hmm. us like what people can do for like segments like that? So if you want to get stronger, you gave some great exercises to get stronger without building, uh, bulking up. You said the kettlebell swings and explosive movements. How about for overall fat loss and then to get toned and lean?
1: Yeah. So, uh, people get mad when I say this, but for fat loss, it's, it's (laughs) plate pushes, fork put downs, Uh, table walkaways. These are all like the best exercises you can. It's eating less. It's being in a calorie deficit. There's no one exercise that's gonna you know burn fat here or there, make you lose fat. You could be working out for hours a day, and uh, but if you're eating too much, you're not gonna lose fat, and you'll you'll gain fat. So, hundred, I like,
0: agree, hundred percent agree, and this is why people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that it's about calories in calories out it's like yeah it becomes like it's like it's like such a bad word why why are yeah. people so offended by this i don't understand
1: it blows my fucking mind how offended people are in general uh yeah. and then not to right. mention like there are people who they they won't even say the word diet anymore like they, yes. they will they'll type d asterisk et i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you and i don't know if i could swear on this podcast you but can, like it's fine it's it's not, it, all people like diet's a bad word. I'm like, all right, this is getting so, so stupid. Not to mention there are many diets people will go on that have nothing to do with fat loss. Like people will change their diet to gain weight. People will have a certain diet based on their allergies that they have. Totally. Diet doesn't necessarily mean weight loss and weight loss isn't inherently bad. And a lot of people need to lose weight. A lot of people, they're the people who say things like, no, weight loss is bad. Da, da, da. It's like, you've never worked with someone who's a hundred pounds overweight. And like, is, they're in pain, like they can't move because their joints are aching because you have no idea how their confidence is shot. You have no idea like how it's affecting them mentally, physically, emotionally, the idea that they're just demonizing weight loss altogether. Not to mention, let's say someone just wants to lose 15 pounds. Who the fuck are you to say, you know, you're not supposed to do that. Like, it's their choice.
0: Absolutely. Listen, you're, you're singing my song. I, I could not agree with you more. I find it's unbelievable that now it's like a bad it's you, you are demonized. If you're saying that's a bad thing. When really Correct. like everybody in their head, like, I mean, I don't know one person really if they're being honest and true with themselves are really happy when they're a hundred pounds overweight. I mean, no, no, one. no
1: one. You can't be, it, it, it cannot you cannot be. You cannot
0: be because forget about the aesthetic. I'm not even talking aesthetics because of all the other things, all the other health issues that come with it. Correct. And if you're somebody who like comments on that or just makes note of it, you're a bad person. I, I, I don't get it.
1: It yeah, it's, it's, it's actually really sad. And I think what, ha- what's happened is a lot of people who've been unsuccessful with losing weight, instead of, instead of addressing why they've been unsuccessful, they just then turn around and say, well, I'm happy this way. And who are you to say, I shouldn't be happy. It's like, listen, I want you to be happy. And if you want to stay that way, that's fine. But let's not pretend that like yeah. you can be healthy and be hundred pounds overweight and promote other people to do that. Cause this is doing more harm than good.
0: Absolutely, because obesity in itself is one of the biggest is one of the biggest um, pandemics I think we have in the world right now, in the 100%. U.S.
1: You know, it's worldwide, worldwide, it's crazy, uh, it's crazy, yeah, all over the is. world, it's unbelievable. Which causes and it's, it's one of the leading it. it obesity is like the starting point of so many health issues, whether it's high blood pressure, whether it's heart attacks, strokes, let's look at COVID. I mean, the people who were most likely to die from COVID were the vast majority were overweight and out of shape. Like it puts you at risk just by being overweight. It's, and it's not anything bad against them as people. It's just saying if you are overweight, you are at a significantly greater risk of dying of basically all cause mortality of literally anything. You are at a greater risk of dying if you're overweight. Period. End of story.
0: And exactly, it is period. End of story. I don't know how it doesn't have to. I mean, you can just see all the research. People can can see all the research that backs that, right? So, so wait, so get, so let's go back to that. So, walking great for overall health, right? Yes. Like for yep. overall health, is a number one. So if yep. someone wants to get more lean, you know, that I'm going to say this, you know, it's actually much easier when you're on like a weight loss journey, let's say when you have 50 pounds to lose or 30 pounds mm-hmm. to lose, where it gets to be very tricky, where a lot of people fall into is this like five to seven pound spot, mm. which is like, they just have like a little, like, you know, a little bit of love hand, they have a little bit to lose and they really yep. want to tone themselves up. That's where it gets, you know, and they're already working out and they're already eating healthy. What Mm -hmm. do you, how do you, what can you do for that? Give us some.
1: You're hundred percent right. This is the hardest because in order to lose that last little bit, you're going to have to be more strict. You are like inherently, like when it's sort of like, um, when you're developing a skill, whether it's maybe social media, for example, when you're first starting out, it's like, there it's almost easier because there's so much to learn. You put something out, you learn something so fast. Mm -hmm. Or when you're going to the gym, when you're strength training, when the first year is the best, it's like, you get stronger every single time you go to the gym, you're learning. It's amazing. But as you go year after year after year, you get more and more advanced the learning comes in small, teeny increments. Like you learn a little gem here and a little gem here. You put on a little bit of strength to this lift every like couple of months. It's not ever stronger every single time. It's like, it's, it gets harder, the better you get at it. And when you have a teeny tiny bit of fat to lose, that means if, if it's really worth it to you, and who am I to say whether it is or isn't, but if it's worth it to you, you have to inherently be more strict, you have to dial in your nutrition, you have to dial in your workouts. And I think one of the most overlooked aspects of this specific individual is is strength training to build muscle is making sure they're going to strength train enough to build more muscle so they can increase their metabolism, uh, and also having preset higher calorie days. I think this is super important. Um, not always eating in a higher calorie uh, in a calorie surplus, but one of the issues that will happen here is when you're trying to be super strict in a calorie deficit all the time, it's, it's very difficult to be consistent with that it's very difficult to seven days a week, nonstop being in a calorie deficit. So I like to do what's called calorie cycling, where a couple days a week, you will deliberately eat higher calorie closer towards maintenance, so that you can it will ob- it will help your metabolism will help increase a little bit it will help with your leptin sensitivity, insulin sensitivity. But also what it's going to do is it's going to make it more realistic for you, you have a couple days where you know, you can eat more calories, it will make it more sustainable long term. Uh, it's when you have those last five, seven, 10 pounds to go, you need to find ways to make it more sustainable because it's going to be more difficult.
0: Right. So then how, give me an example. How many more calories are you saying a day? Like, would you say like two days calorie, de- like two days, super, super strict one day higher two day back to two days kind of thing.
1: So so it depends on what you want, but the one that I usually opt for at the beginning and we'll adjust based on the individual it's, I just call it the alternate deficit, mm-hmm. um, four low calorie days and three higher calorie days. Mm. Uh, So generally it's uh, the, and I don't know how many calories this person is eating or what their deficit is, but let's just say, let's just say, for example, their maintenance calorie intake is 2000 calories just to make it easy. Mm -hmm. Their maintenance daily calorie intake is 2000. I might have them on 1500 four days of the week and at 2000 calories, three days a week. Mm that way at the end of the week it's a net calorie deficit it's going to be slow they're not going to be losing a pound a week it's going to be slow and steady but also way more sustainable that way for example sometimes what we might do is we might put those 3 days the higher calorie days we'll call it friday saturday sunday where which is where often people tend to eat more anyway mm-hmm. so this way they have more leeway they don't feel guilty if they eat over 1500 calories they can enjoy themselves with their family and friends they can go out have like just enjoy themselves more and then monday through thursday boom 1500 calories. They're in a net deficit at the end of the week. And at the end of the month, they're losing probably about a pound and a half, two pounds a month. Very sustainably.
0: That's a great idea. And so about 500 calories approximately is what you're saying. Yes.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. You stalled for a second. That's why I'm like, what? (laughs) Hello? Hello? What is that? So, okay. So then that, and then that's kind of like the plateau also, like when someone's plateauing, when they're doing all the things, right, right. And yet now they're stuck, right? Because they're not losing any more weight. Let's say they were let's say this could be for anybody who was trying who was losing 50 pounds, 20 pounds, whatever, five pounds, then you plateau. Is it the same type of thing? So basically it's it's more of a manipulation of the calories you take in throughout the week to kind of is it like kind of like muscle confusion, but like nutrition confusion basically. So your body doesn't adapt. Is that is that the idea behind it?
1: I wouldn't say that because the, the reality is this plateaus are normal. Like mm. it plateaus are a normal part of the process. And, and this is in everything in life. It could be in a relationship with a husband and wife plateau could be in, in a learning curve. Like you're at school, maybe like you're, you're learning something like you get it, you get it, you get it. And all of a sudden oh, I'm stuck here, whatever it is. And then you just have to work and work and work until you get it. And in strength training, if you, if you increase your bench press by 10 pounds a month, just 10 pounds a month, that's not a lot, right? Like 10 pounds a month, like you're you're going to the gym four or five days a week. You would feel like you should increase more. If you increase 10 pounds a month to your bench press as 120 pounds at the end of the year, oh. in two years, 240 pounds, three years, 360 pounds. Most people never bench press that much in their entire life, never mind in three years. Right. So we've we've live in this world that sort of demonizes and 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 makes it seem as though plateaus were not supposed to have them. It's normal. The issue is as soon as someone hits a plateau, they quit. And for me, my job as a coach is just to make sure you don't quit. How can I get you on a program in a way that's sustainable and that you enjoy it and you don't quit? Because as long as you don't quit, you'll succeed. It's just You just have to be consistent enough to make it happen. So plateaus are normal. It's part of the process. There's no need to try and avoid the plateau. It's just work through the fucking plateau and eventually it'll work just like don't stop once you hit it
0: that's such a good point i like that that's so true right in life like every everything has a plateau right everything Everything. it's not just about weight loss or strength training it's so true but you said nothing
1: is linear nothing is linear so true
0: that's a really good point but you said something like how do you get people not to quit i think that's the biggest that's the biggest challenge right people are gung-ho and yep. then they don't see the results that they want or it's taking too long or whatever reason. And then they kind of just stop. And so yep. what do you tell people? How do you, I hate the word motivation, but how <laughs> do you get, I really do, I can't stand it. But what, how do you get, what's your strategy with your coaching, with your people that you actually see to get them yeah. to keep going and not, and not kind of lose sight and, and not quit?
1: Yeah so so there's a bunch here so part of it is in the tactics and a lot of it is in the actual, um, the, the education. So for example, um, a tactic could be like what I spoke about with the calorie cycling, Mm -hmm. right? That's a tactic where if someone is having a really hard time being consistent, well, how do I get them not to quit? I give them a couple higher calorie days. It's going to be a little bit slower progress, but at least this way they can maintain it and sustain it as opposed to just quitting as soon as they go over 1500 calories. Um, so that's an, a tactic perspective, but an education perspective is, or or even more awareness perspective, a lot of people assume that the scale is like going to be linear down ever. Like they're going to lose weight every time they step on the scale or they have one day of perfect nutrition and all of a sudden they should lose weight the next day. That's (laughs) not how it fucking works. And so like, as soon as they say, well, why did the scale go up? Because it's like, it's normal. There are many reasons why the scale would go up. So A lot of times if they, if they were left to their own devices, then they would just quit as soon as the scale spiked up. And I see that all the time. It's one of the reasons why so much of my content is geared towards like telling people to shut the fuck up about the scale and understand why the fluctuations happen and know that it's not a bad thing for the scale to spike up, especially for women. Like you're women have way more scale fluctuations than men do, Mm -hmm. uh, for many, many reasons, not least of which hormonal fluctuations massively impact your water retention and the scale and a lot of people don't know like they're like well how does water weight impact the scale and it's very simple um, imagine you have a bucket of water you're at the beach you get to the beach you're with your kids whatever it is you take the empty bucket of the water you picked it uh, empty bucket there's no water in it it's super light doesn't weigh anything it's very easy you take that to the water you try and fill it up with your kids boom now all of a sudden that bucket's really fucking heavy right <laughs> yes. that's what happens in your body right it's and for example let's say you eat more carbs than usual If you had a little puddle of water on your counter and you took a slice of bread and you just wiped that bread over that little puddle of water, what would happen? The water wouldn't just like all of a sudden fall off the counter. The bread would actually absorb Mm -hmm. that water. And now that slice of bread would weigh more for every gram of carb that you eat. Your body will hold on to about three to four grams of water. So if you're eating an extra 100 grams of carbs, which is very fucking easy to do, you will hold on to more water. And it doesn't mean you gain fat because you ate carbs. It just means your body is holding on to more water, just like that bucket of water has more water in it, so it weighs more. So it's teaching people these things about scale fluctuations. It's teaching them about plateaus. They're not necessarily bad, just so they can say when they face that issue, when they face the, the scale spike, when they face the plateau, when they go through this difficult time, they can logically say, not emotionally, but logically say, oh, this is normal. Keep going. Because what most people do is they see the scale spike. They get really upset. They're like, I'm such a fat ass. And then they say, well, I fuck up and I, I fucked up. So I might as well just give it all in. I just give up altogether. It's like they go out to eat with their friends on a Friday night. They go to a Mexican restaurant. They have a lot of chips and guac, have a couple of margaritas. The next morning they weigh themselves. They're so mad because they're up two pounds and they're like, well, fuck it. I'll just get back on track on Monday. It's like, why are you waiting until Monday? Just get rep. Like it's Saturday morning. Just get back on track it's no harm, no foul, like you're fine. It's the issue when people quit too soon. Mm-hmm. So as long as you can get them to just stay consistent and not quit, they will succeed. So
0: like how, I think, so you said this also, like it's about, a lot. what do you think the ratio, you, you hear all the time, like it's 80% what you eat, 20% of what, how much exercise you do. Mm. I mean, I, I, I'm a big believer. In, I mean, it sounds like you also believe that like exercise can only get you so far, but it really becomes how much you're eating at the end of the day, correct?
1: From a fat loss perspective, absolutely. Yeah. If you want to lose fat, I would say even nutrition is probably 90, 95% realistically. It's, there are ways to make exercise have a bigger percentage of that, but most people don't have the time for that. Like if you have the time to work out for five hours a day, yeah, sure. You can burn off a significant amount of calories, but most people like we're busy. We got shit to do, like get in and out, get in the gym, do the most bang for your buck and use your nutrition to really dictate your, your body composition.
0: So now here's the question, uh, cause now everyone vegan, not vegan. Like, do you believe like that protein versus carbs or fats or whatever? Hey, do you believe in fasting? Because that's like the huge thing now—intermittent fasting or having these three-day fasts or five-day fasts. Like every day, there's like another fast that's longer and longer, where people's just like, are people are just basically starving themselves. What is your take on fasting, intermittent fasting, and how to dial in the nutrition? In your opinion, to be the most, I, I guess, I guess, really to get the to get the, the kind of best results,
1: yeah, in a real so, way. Uh- so <laughs> the long duration fasting, 72 hours a week, whatever, yeah. like, I think it's fucking nonsense, uh, from, especially from a fat loss perspective. Now I'm, I'm not like that. I know some people do it for spiritual purposes and whatnot. And no, they're, I do, know
0: they're doing it more. A lot of times I'm not saying you're you're wrong. Of course you're right. I'm talking, people are doing it for like, the, the anti-aging longevity for building, right? Like it's, it's helping you with like your fat. What's it called when they say it's, um, when you're in keto, when you're in the ketosis, you are, you're, what is that called? What did they say it is?
1: Um, are you talking about, uh, the cellular turnover
0: kind of? Yes.
1: yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, trying to remember the word for it. Um,
0: a, po- a pos- no no like autophagy autophagy autophagy, autophagy. Yeah, that's autophagy. It. yeah see you yeah. could tell i'm not a faster because i mean i just
1: no so they talk about autophagy um and they say that that fasting increases the rate of autophagy mm-hmm. but when you actually look at the research around autophagy and i always thought it was autophagy but apparently now it's i don't know either way um <laughs> when you look at the research you get the same exact benefits just from caloric restriction in general, like from a calorie deficit as you would from actual fasting. So it doesn't matter if you're fasting for 16 hours or 24 hours or 72 hours, as long as you're number, maintaining a healthy body fat percentage. And if you are have any form of caloric restriction, you get the exact same benefit. So you don't need the, need a, a seventy two hour fast to get the same benefit at all. Um,
0: and
2: don't you just I will, gain
1: the
0: weight? I, I mean, whatever happens to start your, your body goes into starvation mode. Do you remember this whole theory where it's like <laughs> if you don't eat for too long, of a, if you if you don't eat for too long, once you start eating again, you're gonna basically your body is gonna hold on to every calorie because it's like starving. Remember that whole yes. the concept?
1: Yeah. So so that is also it's half myth, half not. Th- th- there are several different types of, of, uh, that people think of, of starvation mode. One type of starvation mode that people will say, this is a complete myth that if you don't eat enough, then your body's going to store on a fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's absolute nonsense. Cause if that were the case, then, you know, people in Holocaust camps or like in concentration camps would have been getting fat. Prisoners of war would be getting fat. People struggling with anorexia would be getting fat, right? So there's eating too little doesn't make you fat. All right then we have that's a super 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 common myth and that's what a lot of people call starvation mode what you spoke about uh is often termed metabolic adaptation mm-hmm. and this is real this is real where if you don't eat enough for a long period of time and then all of a sudden you bring calories back in your metabolic rate will have decreased enough to where now you your metabolism is slower so you more easily gain weight back um that won't happen with a 72 hour fast that like your metabolism won't mm. decrease enough in a 72 hour, even a week long to make that happen. Right. Um, but what will happen and what I see happen all the time is someone fast for three days and then they get super fucking hungry and they develop a terrible relationship with food. So they binge eat and it's not difficult to eat three days worth of calories in several oh, hours once you've been fasting. It's very easy. Like it's very easy to do. It's not challenging at all. So I see a lot of these people not only gaining weight, but developing severe disordered relationships with food where they're binging all the time. They, they, and that's one of the reasons why they perpetually fast because the only time, they, they have an on and an off switch and that's it. There's nothing in between. There's no moderation. Mm. They're either fasting and not eating anything or binging and eating everything. And that is not healthy in any way, shape or form. So from a fat loss perspective, fasting has no benefit if your calories are not in check. And research shows this very clearly. There was actually a big article in the New York Times that came out today, which I was very surprised. I'm not like the biggest fan of the New York Times, but like um, they had a big article today about new research coming out and it was accurate. I was looking at the paper how meal frequency is irrelevant for fat loss if calories are not in check, right? So it doesn't matter if you have 17 small meals a day or six moderate sized meals or four big meals or one gargantuan meal from a fat loss perspective, if your total calories are in check, you're fine regardless of your meal frequency. So for some people, and let's just call it intermittent fasting. What it is, it's you're skipping breakfast. That's what that's you skip breakfast, maybe lunch. That's that's all it is. Right. It's nothing special, which is so, calorie
0: deficit, basically.
1: Correct, yeah. right? It's like we just eat a little bit less. So if you if you like breakfast, then eat breakfast and then just eat fewer calories to be in a calorie deficit. If you don't like breakfast, feel free to skip it and then still be in a calorie deficit at the end of the day, and you'll still lose weight. So and that's really what it boils down to.
0: Right. I mean, I I I tend to agree with you, and I've had a lot of people on this podcast who are. Doctors who are big believers in the fasting for longevity and for autophagy and for this and for that. And I still have not been able to, like, you know, for me personally, anytime I've tried, I wait four hours, I get nauseous, I'm hungry, I got a headache, and I'm like, screw this. And I go eat, like, I, I eat 10 times the amount because yes. I was starving. Right. So I, I guess, and I think it's a behavioral thing. I don't know how people are able to, like, just deprive themselves like that. I just don't, it's, mm-hmm. It it also is maybe just for their own personal, like you were saying earlier, for their own, to see if they can do it, you know, a lot of times, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think a lot of people, there are certain benefits to doing hard things just to see if you can push through it. Mm -hmm. but not with this. Like this is, it's just frankly stupid. Uh, and the amount of, of disordered relationships with food that I've seen coming out of it is, is truly remarkable. This is one of the things that I think within five to 10 years, we're going to see a lot of research coming out about people struggling with binge eating. Cause they're trying to do long duration fasting and all that stuff. It's like, it's just, it's not necessary and it's not healthy.
0: No, oh, I, I, yeah, I'm a believer. I, I agree with you. Um, So then you're not a faster, obviously, and you eat breakfast. <laughs>
1: no. I love breakfast. I mean, I've tried intermittent fasting. When I did it, I did it from like 18 to 21. Uh, I did you it for did? several years. Then. Yeah. And actually one of the, I wrote, when I stopped oh. intermittent fasting, um, I wrote a whole article on it in 2012 talking about how, I, I remember the title was something to the effect of, Intermittent fasting might not be right for you, and here's why. And I basically explained all the stuff that's where we just spoke about. Uh it's been around for a long time. Forever, I know. Diets, like everyone like they're now it's in men's fitness and all over the news, but it's been around for years and years and years in different forms and names. I mean, the ketogenic diet's been around for such a long time in different forms and names. And that's what the fitness industry does. It recycles different diets and fads with new names to sell it.
0: Of course. Like the Atkins, it was it was called the act, you know, the Atkins diet like a year forever exactly. ago or like the zone diet or this diet, like, and now the paleo diet, like they're all the same, just different iterations of it. Um, so then what do you eat? Like, what do you tell people? Like, what do you, what do you think about? I mean, obviously I know you like carbs. I mean, cause you're, you're someone you're not, you seem to be very like rational, but give me a break. What do you think about animal protein? Do you think people who are vegans or, are able to get enough sufficient protein to build real, like to build muscle and to maintain muscle and to be healthy.
1: Um, so, so I'm a big fan of animal protein. <laughs> I, <know>. I love <laughs> meat and fish. I love all of it. Um, people who have a plant-based diet, they can get enough. It is, it's significantly more difficult. It's significantly more difficult. I don't necessarily think that a plant-based diet is inherently healthier uh, for many reasons. Um, In order to get enough nutrients to live a healthy life as a plant-based individual, you have to be supplementing with with various supplements to make sure you're getting enough micronutrients uh, and, and some macronutrients as well. You have to be supplementing. And personally, I don't think a diet that requires you to be taking extra supplements could inherently be classified as healthier. Um, not to mention that if we take, if we take people who are plant-based versus people who are not plant-based and we look at, their lifespan overall, we don't see a difference in terms of health or longevity, as long as both people are exercising regularly and, and like, you know, not smoking or drinking or overweight. There are people who are overweight and plant based. uh, And there are people who are plant based who smoke and drink and they're not healthy individuals. So it has far less to do with them being plant based and more just to do with like, are they maintaining a healthy body fat percentage? Are they exercising? And I think, you know, we got to where we are today by being omnivorous creatures. We, we've eaten meat and fish for the entirety of our existence as human beings. That's why we have the teeth that we have. That's like, that's what we're made to do. Um, and it's why if you have a healthy diet that's rich in all these mi- vitamins and minerals and different plant and food sources, then you don't need to take supplements if you don't want to. You could live a full life without having to do that. But if you're plant-based, you are required to to actually do that in order to get enough nutrients in.
0: So what supplements do you believe that people overall should be taking? Do you take any supplements or?
1: Yeah. So I'm not a huge supplement guy. And I I very much think they're called supplements for a reason because they should be a supplementary to your nutrition and lifestyle. Right. I know you're, you're in LA, so you get, probably get plenty of sun, but most people are massively vitamin D3 Mm -hmm. deficient. So I take vitamin D3 every day. I take 2000 IU's, and I'm in Texas, so I still get plenty of sun, but it's so easy to be deficient in it. And it's very hard to overdo vitamin D. So I I think it's, it's for your mental health, emotional health, physical health, hormonal health, Mm -hmm. massively vitamin D is super important. Um, fish oil. I I eat a lot of fatty fish, so like salmon and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but um, I still take fish oil as well just because it's it's the most researched supplement in the entire world. Mm-hmm. There are so many health benefits to it, also from a hormonal perspective. So D3, fish oil. Um, I do take a multi. It's not essential though. Um, we live in a first world country. Most foods we eat are fortified and like we probably get plenty of, of nutrients without it. I look at it as my like nutritional insurance policy. So I do take a multivitamin as well. Um, and then creatine is, if you had spoken to me like, a year ago, I would have said creatine is really just for getting stronger and building muscle, but creatine and fish oil are the two most, uh, research mm-hmm. supplements in the entire world. And in the past year or so, there've been a lot of research around creatine's neuroprotective benefits, uh, and the the effects that it can have on your brain and just on, on thought processes and actually maintaining, uh, reducing the risk of things like dementia and Alzheimer's as you get older. So, if you'd asked me a year ago, I would have said, no, nah, it's only important if you just want to build muscle. But there's a lot of research coming out now about creatines and its neuroprotective benefits that I'm like very interested in. So I do take creatine as well. Um, yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to take creatine. My mom thought it was a steroid, so she wouldn't let right, me, right, right. <laughs> but you know, we all eat creatine when you eat red meat, you eat, you have creatine and you have eggs, you have creatine, your body naturally produces it. Like it's not, it's not bad or dangerous for you at all. It's actually, it's, It's if you have blood pressure issues or, uh, liver issues or kidney issues, definitely talk to your doctor before you take it. But it's, it's very low cost, very, very effective. Uh, and there are are reasons to take it outside of simply gaining strength. So do,
0: how about women? Are they able to take, I thought when women would take, creatine, like it was, it would bulk you, that would bulk
1: you up. No, no. So it doesn't bulk you up. It doesn't automatically build muscle at all. Um, it's like, I wish it did that. It, it doesn't <laughs> have to do that. I thought that's uh, why every
0: guy I know takes it before they work out.
1: No, so creatine, what it does is it, it gives you more, uh, <laughs> it provides more ATP. It Sorry. gives you more energy. So it, it gives you the, the uh, potential to be able to lift a little bit more weight. And what I mean by that is, let's say you were, it's not like anabolic steroids at all. Mm -hmm. What what it does is it gives your muscles more energy to use. And so practically speaking, let's say you could do 10 reps with a certain weight. If you start taking creatine, maybe you can now get 11 or 12 Mm -hmm. reps. Like it's a little bit. Um, What does happen though, and where the bulking idea comes from is, Creatine monohydrate, which is one type of creatine, uh, can often make you hold on to more water. So you can look and appear a little bit more bloated. Oh, Uh, that's it. Now- so a lot of women, they obviously don't want that. And a lot of men don't want that either, but they tend to be a little bit more okay with it than the women do. Um, so in that case, I recommend create a micronized creatine. Micronized creatine is actually what I take as well, mainly because creatine monohydrate can cause some stomach upset with certain people. And I always felt nauseous when I took it, but micronized creatine, slightly more expensive, a little bit higher quality, I would say, uh, and you don't get any bloating with that. where did you get that? What's What
0: kind? I never heard of that before.
1: So you can, I mean, if you Google it, you'll find I take it from Legion Athletics. Oh, you take Legion, uh, the, yeah. Yeah, so I take Legion, and it's it's in their post workout supplement. It's micronized creatine.
0: Micronized, okay. That's a good to know. That's a good tip, actually. I like that.
1: Yeah, it's really good. I, I really like it. It helps a lot, and and you'll you'll notice it if depending on how you take it, uh, within a month you will notice like uh, significant improvements in your performance. It's actually it's in, it's incredible.
0: Is it is it basically instead of doing like a pre workout? drink or a pre-workout powder would you
1: take so you could you could do both so some some companies will put creatine in their pre-workout it doesn't matter if you take it pre or post-workout all that matters is that your stores are saturated so in legions uh, one of the reasons i like legion is because not only do they put like the the best quality of supplement but they also put the right amount and that is really important. Um, yeah. A lot of some companies don't put the right amounts. They just say, oh, this is the 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 ingredient, but they don't tell you how much they put in. That's why they say proprietary blend. Yeah, um, that's exactly but they true. Tell you, so they tell you how much is of in it. and It's always the effective dose. Um, for creatine, in order for your stores to be saturated, you could do what's called the loading phase, which is 25 grams a day for five days straight. And then your stores are saturated. I don't do that. Just take five grams a day, once a day for 30 days. And that's exactly the amount that's in their post-workout. And then your stores are saturated within a month. And once your stores are saturated, you will notice significant improvements in your, uh, in your performance.
0: But you said post-workout. So if I wanted to do this or someone else wanted this pre-workout, what would they do? Same thing? Would they take the same? Same,
1: same exact thing. And take You're post- not going to notice a difference. You're not going to notice a difference just based on pre or post-workout when you take it. You won't. Um, it's not like you take it once and then you notice the benefit. It's not like a a pre-workout in that sense. It's more of once your stores are saturated, once you've been taking it for a month or so, then you'll notice the effects forever and you have to continue to take it. Got it. But it's not like you get like a boost in energy once you take it. Do you take pre-workout stuff then or no? Occasionally, I don't like to rely on it. That's my thing. So, so I'll take it. So the way I look at it is if I work out five times a week, like, and I I do something every day. Like I'm always walking or doing some something every day. But if my intense workouts, like five times a week out of those five workouts, I'll have like one or two workouts that I'm actually pretty excited for one or two workouts that like, I, I like really don't want to do at all and one or two workouts that like, I'm okay with. So for the three or so workouts, three or four workouts that like, I'm either excited for, I'm just okay with, I'm not taking it. But for the one or two that I fucking do not want to do at all in that week, where I'm just like, Oh, like, I don't want to get this workout in. That's when I take my pre workout, right? Save it for those moments.
0: That's a great, that's also a great tip. So also, you don't get dependent on it.
1: Correct. Exactly. You don't get dependent on it. And your body doesn't adapt to it in terms of After a certain point, if you take it every day, you're going to have to continuously increase the dose. And so it's sort of like, I remember the first time I drank coffee, I was like, this is amazing. Like I had one cup and I was just wired, but at a certain point, one cup doesn't do it anymore. it's the same thing with these stimulants. If you take pre-workout every single day, it's not going to have the same effect. So I, I like to not, not to get reliant on it and only use it when I really like, and I need that boost.
0: That's true. I think, I think you have to cycle everything, right? Like you even have to cycle, like, I mean, to your point, like even coffee, like I can drink coffee now at night, nothing happens. Right. But yeah, right. <laughs> Cause I'm so used to it, but at the, you know, when I first started drinking it, it was like a whole thing. How did you cycle coffee then too? Do you cycle, like you have to cycle everything.
1: Yeah. yeah like so the you workouts actually- you do, everything. You, you do the only thing interesting like you don't have to cycle like protein powder because it's just like eating chicken right you actually don't need to cycle creatine the one reason i think it's interesting to cycle creatine is to see if you're a responder or not because a certain percentage of people are non-responders yeah so oh. one reason i like to cycle that is just to say like listen take it and then take it for a couple months and then stop and see if your workouts change and if your workouts like if if the weight feels heavier if you don't feel as good then you know it was actually helping you right uh, if You feel exactly the same, then you don't have to be taking it anymore. Right, but and depending on the research you look at, some will say ten, some will say up to thirty percent of people are non-responders. So so there's a significant number of people who won't respond to creatine, at least from the the strength perspective.
0: That's amazing! Wow. So what what kind of pre workout do you take? Do
1: you take like what's your favorite? I take Legion. I take Legion. uh, The they have a lot of different flavors. I love sour. Like I, I'm a big fan of like sour stuff. So they have like a sour candy that I really, really like. Um, th- my wife, she hates sour stuff. So like she likes their mango flavor. Like, it's it's actually phenomenal. It's really, it's more sweet. But um, does it work? So they have a bunch of- oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It will light you up it will absolutely light you up. Really?
0: Yeah. Even though like, oh, again, yeah. like I think also if you did that every day, it wouldn't work anymore anyway. Correct. Yeah.
1: Yep. And there have been times, you know, I've gone through periods in my training career where I would take pre-workout almost every day and yeah. it gets to a point where it's like, it's not really doing anything for me anymore. Right. So that's one of the reasons I was like, all right, I only want to take it a couple times a week. And every time I take it, I'm like within 15, well, first, Within 15 minutes, I have to poop like immediately. It's the first thing that have to ha- that happens as soon as you take it. Like it jacks up your metabolism so much immediately. So really, one of the things, like, yeah, I used to make the mistake of taking it and then I would go right to the gym and then I'd have to stop my first set because I'd have to go poop. So like I take it, wait until that hits and then I go because immediately, like within 15, 20 minutes, you're going to have to go and then you have an amazing workout. Yeah, so it's, it's awesome.
0: also great for like constipation. If you're like a, if you have <laughs> yeah. constipation, it's a great thing to do.
1: It will clean you out. Yeah. Wow.
0: Okay. That's legion. I'm going to go order some of that. That's great. That's amazing. Okay. So then what, how about hormones? I wanted to talk about hormones because I think that is a big part of it. Like you could be working out proper super pro- properly eating exactly the way you are, but then like hormones become a real issue of why you're not seeing any type of re- result or actually declining results. How do you keep, how do you keep, um, I know you're going to say strength training, but how do you kind of keep building lean muscle mass? Or what do you do about this whole, the hormone problem
1: for people? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked. This is a really important question. And so there's a lot to consider. And the first thing I'm gonna say is this, it's important for people to stay in their lane and with their expertise. And any personal trainer who tells you they fully understand hormones is a fucking liar. You're right. And if you want to have your hormones checked, you should go to an endocrinologist. (laughs) Uh, and it's, there's an entire field of people who go to school specifically for hormones and they are endocrinologists and that's their expertise. And in the same way, you don't go to go to an endocrinologist for your strength training program. You don't go to a personal trainer for endo, for your hormone health. Yeah. Um, it's very important for me to say that because, uh, I do not operate under like, I'm not an expert in everything. And I have to say like, that's not my field of expertise. The other reason I say this is because, There are two other reasons. Number one is a lot of personal trainers will try to sell you shit based on like hormones that like they have no idea what they're talking about. They have no credentials whatsoever. And they're just trying to make money, make a quick buck based off of you not knowing that. And the other thing, and this is probably the most important, a lot of people think they have hormonal problems because I don't know, Susan at the fucking gym said that they have a hormone problem. And they're like, well, Susan said it, so I must have a fucking problem, right? It's like, no, Go if you think you have a hormone problem go to your doctor, get a blood panel. And what I would always say to people is I say, go to your doctor and ask for number one, a metabolic cart test, a metabolic cart test gets a a full on blood panel that you can either work, look over with your doctor and endocrinologist. Uh, also get, uh, get your thyroid looked at, look at your, your thyroid, see if you're hypothyroid potentially. Um, and, and from here, a lot of people who think they have hormone problems, like, listen, just go get it checked out. Almost always. It comes back normal. Almost always. And once it's normal, we can say, cool. So we know that it's not a hormone problem. It's actually you're just eating too much. Right? Right, right, right. And if it's not normal, if let's say they do have hypothyroid, cool. Now we know. Let's get you on medication. Bring your normal your levels back up to normal. And cool. And once your levels are back to normal and you're medicated, now we can get your nutrition in check. And now it's gonna be now it's gonna work fine. But the biggest issue is when people look on Instagram. And, and see Karen or whatever talking about like, you've got this hormone problem, da da and then they trick themselves into believing that they have that issue before they've ever been to the fucking doctor, go to the doctor, get a metab- metabolic heart test, get your thyroid looked at get all of this blood work done. So you know the truth. And then you can figure it out from there.
0: That's why I like you, Jordan, you're very like, honest, I think that's a that's a great piece of advice. But I think a couple things I think when people get middle age. Or like mm. they have low testosterone and yep. or what do you do about that? Because does that really mean is there is that a myth that the less testosterone you have, the harder it is to build muscle, the harder that is, it is very
1: real. That is very real, right. and that's why. And hormone replacement therapy for men and women can be super important, especially as you get older. Um, I think hormone replacement therapy can be super important as a woman's going through menopause. Hormone replacement therapy can be super important for men as they get older and their testosterone levels decline naturally. I think it's incredibly important, and that's why, like, I get my blood work done several times a year. Like, how old are you? And I'm only I'm only thirty. But I get it done' you're to, like 30
0: I, years old what the hell am yeah. I asking you about hormones like God you're like literally an embryo you don't know anything about hormones I mean you're literally a literally a baby so do you even know what do you even know what testosterone is do you even know what estrogen is I mean these are like I didn't realize you're like a you're like a puppy literally. You're like do you have you ever met anyone in their forties? Have do you know what this is? Like you have a client that's in their forties. I mean, Gary Vee's in his forties, but you don't train him anymore. But
1: most of my clients are between like thirty five to sixty five. Yeah. So and mostly women.
0: So then, what do they? I'm sure you hear this all the time from women, though. So when they have low testosterone, what do you tell them to do? And when they have the blood so panels and they say once, yes, this so is that's low. the whole thing.
1: That's why I love getting the blood work done because. They've already established connection with their doctor, their doctor. Oh, oh yeah. Like your testosterone is low. like, yes. Yeah, so then they can get on hormone placement therapy. Then they can actually seek that because even if I know, even if let's say, hey, I've got low testosterone, whatever it is, how the fuck am I going to fix that? I don't like I yeah, tell you, you anyway. like generally what nutrition wise and, and strength training wise and I can try and help. But if you've got like medically low testosterone, or you have a medical hormonal problem. I can't do shit. Right, like You've got to go to a doctor. That's why I'm like, go to your doctor. I can't do anything. None of the supplements I give you are going to help. None of the nutrition is going to do anything if you've got a legit medical problem. So stop asking your personal trainer for hormonal help because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about and they they can't prescribe any medication for you. All the supplements that are claiming to fix your hormones are bullshit. Don't buy them. They're nonsense. They're not going to do anything. Go to your doctor and get real medication. I think hormone replacement therapy is one of the best things people can do as they get older, especially as they need it. But go to your doctor.
0: I love this. I'm asking hormonal uh, questions to a, a literally like a, a, an embryo. I cannot believe how <laughs> young you are. You're only 30 years old.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Born in 91.
0: What the? So when were you training Gary? Were you like 12? Like how old were you? <laughs>
1: I was, uh, 26 to 20, 26, 27, 28.
0: Oh, so you just finished like a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay. Then how did that even, ha- were you guys living near each How did you even know each other? And no.
1: So, so what happened was I, uh, I, like I said, I was, I started my website in July of 2011. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I started making content a long time ago and, um, Gary, did he, he know he about a- that?
0: Or did he teach you how to do all this stuff? Cause you're amazing at it.
1: No, he, he, the only reason that I got the job is because of my content, actually. So what happened is Gary's old coach followed my content. Oh. And so um, Gary had a lot of uh, postural issues. He had a lot of uh, back pain. His back would go out every single year, knee pain, hip pain, shoulder pain, and when I first got in the industry, a lot of my content was geared towards helping people get out of pain. Uh, it's like what I was trained in early on. And so his coach would follow my work. And then, so when his coach, his name is Mike Vicanti, when his coach was done with his two year deal, Mike reached out, G- Gary was like, he asked Mike, Mike, do you want to continue? And Mike was like, I'm done. This is really hard two years. Like I'm good. And then Gary was like, cool. Who's going to coach me? I was living in Israel at the time and Mike and I, we didn't really know each other, but Mike reached out to me. He was like, Hey, how would you like to coach Gary? And I thought it was a joke. I was like, there's no way this is real. Um, But I flew from Tel Aviv to New York, coached Gary for an hour for my interview, flew back to Tel Aviv. And then six weeks later, I get a text from an unknown number saying, are you ready and I was like, who the fuck is this? And Gary sends me a shirtless picture of himself flexing. And that's how I found out I got the job.
0: Oh my God. That is first of all, holy. so number one, you lived in Israel. Shalom. I didn't know that you were, you ever lived in Israel. <laughs> much in <thought>. Is that, <laughs> uh,
1: to that, to that.
0: Uh, look at you. Okay. I'm Israeli. I didn't know that this was even happened. Yeah, okay. First of all, I was on the cover of the Jewish journal. Did you know that a couple months ago?
1: No, that's going, I did not. Like, know oh, that was amazing. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't know
0: this. What, what's going on? Um, so you actually went from Tel Aviv to New York just to meet Gary?
1: Just to interview. It was. Why did you want was... the job
0: that bad? Like he's. It, did you like? It, why did you just like him that much, or like like his work so much, or?
1: So I was super inspired by his work. I followed him for years. Oh, okay. Uh, and and. <laughs> I was very lucky at that point. I had an online business I had built already. Like it was that point it was 2000. It was, I started coaching him in, uh, on June 1st of 2016. So I had built my business from 2011 to 2016. I was able to live wherever I wanted in the world and do whatever I wanted. And so I was like, listen, like I want to learn this social media thing and Gary super inspiring. So like, fuck it. Why not? So So, Hold
0: on. I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm just trying to get my chronological time frame here. Was Gary already at that time? Because that's like six years ago or whatever. I was like, was he already really, really popular
1: on social media
0: by that point? Yeah,
1: he was. He was very popular. Um, He Not as popular as he is now. now, Yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, he had, I remember I was with him when he hit 500,000 Instagram followers, which is like crazy to think now. Like I was, I was coaching him. We were in LA. We were actually at the SLS in LA. Really? uh, Yeah, yeah, we were in the SLS gym and it was crazy because I'll never forget this. We were in the gym and he put up on his story, like he just took a picture of himself. And apparently the the logo of the SLS must have been on the mat because 20 minutes later, two dudes run up and they're like, I told you he was here. And they're like, found us. And Gary was like, fuck, I got to be more careful with the stuff that I post. Someone like just on his story saw the logo and knew exactly where he was. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, at that point, he'd already had several... New York times bestselling books. Like he was, he he did
0: already then. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he did. Yeah. The thank you economy crush it. All those were already out. They
0: were, oh my God. So like back then, and also 500,000 followers and people already knew, like, that's crazy to where that was then and where he is now.
1: Yeah. It's insane. It's unbelievable.
0: Wow. So when you left him, where was he already? When Like two years ago, was he already at 7 million, 5 million, 10 million? I,
1: th- I think he was right around 4 to 5 million when I left. So I, I watched him go from like 500,000 to about 4 to 5 million. And that's just on Instagram, never mind like Facebook, YouTube, podcast, all that.
0: Wow. Was that crazy to watch that
1: trajectory? <laughs> yeah. It was super inspiring. Yeah. It was, it was unbelievable. And like, nobody works harder than Gary. I mean, that guy, like just being in his ecosystem yeah. and watching how hard he works completely changed my life. Just seeing that.
0: Does he work 24 hours a day? It looks oh, like yeah.
1: it. it's, it's um, like, he works harder than the president of the United States. I I promise he, he works harder than any world leader. Like I promise, I didn't get it until I was put into his Google calendar. And then I saw. What his schedule was like and like, and I was traveling with him seven days a week for three years. So wherever he went, I went. So if he was in Hong Kong, I was in Hong Kong. If he was in LA, I was in LA. If he was in, if he was in uh, Germany, I was in Germany. If he was in Ireland, I was in Ireland, wherever. So like I was with him every single day. And the amount that this guy works is fucking unbelievable. It's like he lives it. He's not, he's not just talking out of his ass. Like he lives that life.
0: Wow. He was traveling. He travels like before. I mean, now. Yeah. But before even yeah, no, yeah. no, no, not even that. I don't mean COVID. I mean, like, even before in the last two, three years, he, w- he was already doing all that crazy traveling and being like, Oh, he- my God.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget. Like, so we spent more time in airplanes and hotels than we did in New York by far. I, cu- I almost quit three times in the first six months because it was just, it was devastating to my schedule. It, it was really, really difficult. Um, it was, it was super challenging for me.
0: I can imagine. But, I mean, what was what, what your schedule? Tell me what
1: your schedule was. So it was, it was different every day, <laughs> yeah. but basically as, assuming we're in New York, wake up at 5am. Uh, and then I have to, I have to be at his place by like five 50. We're going to start coaching at 6am. So we'd work out from like six to seven. And then from there, uh, I'd look in the schedule. I would figure out where we were flying. And so I would have to book my ticket and I would sort of beat him to wherever we were flying. So, cause he would usually work the whole day in New York. And then, but I would, so let's a lot of times a very common trip was from New York to London. We went to London a lot. So a lot of times what I would do is I would take like the noon flight from New York to London and and I would beat him there. So then I would get there, but then he would take like the 7 p.m. flight, the 7 p.m. flight from New York to London. So he would get in because the time change, He would get into London at like six or seven in the morning. I would already have to be at the gym, have it ready to go, like be, meet him, have him, hey, come meet me here yeah. at this gym, whatever it is. I have everything ready. So I'd have to beat him there, have everything set up, ready to go and then go to the next one. So I remember just one time we went from New York to Ireland. We spent eight hours in Ireland. He just had a speaking event there. So we went from New York to Ireland before the speaking event. We got a workout in from Ireland. We went to, uh, Amsterdam, spent like 16 hours in Amsterdam from Amsterdam back to New York from New York. We were there for like 24 hours to LA for 48 hours. And from LA back to New York, that was like this one week.
0: Oh my God. How are you not exhausted? I'm exhausted just listening to it.
1: It was, it was insane. And I, I gained a lot of body fat. I lost a lot of muscle. I barely slept. Um, my own personal health and fitness went out the window. It was a very, very tough. And that was actually, and why I ended up not renewing after the three years. Cause I was like, this was an amazing experience and I love you to death, but like, I've got to do my own thing now. Like I've got to catch up on sleep yeah and start my own fitness again so
2: so you yeah. so
0: how did you like how did you even last 3 years so that's like your whole it's crazy how like it's like the emperor or the the cobbler guy has no shoes like here you are like this fitness trainer who's like getting fat and not eating well because you're yeah. so busy doing this exactly. nonsense
1: yeah i mean it was it was uh <sighs> I have no idea. I barely slept, I, and I've I've spoken about it a lot. It was like that's when my blood pressure shot up. Um, I got really out of shape. It was like, it was really really bad. Um, but it's one of those things. that was definitely worth it. The way I sort of framed it in my mind was I'm in detention for these three years. It was like I'm in detention. Like this, I've I've signed on for this. I've agreed to this. We had a deal. Cool. I'm gonna see it through and uh, just one more day in detention. And it, it was, it, it, that makes it sound like it was bad. It was an amazing experience and I loved it and I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, but three years was enough.
0: I can imagine. Like, so did you ever, Like, weren't you like, didn't you get sick though? Like truly, weren't you getting the flu and getting sick because like you're run down? Like it's like that schedule is not good for your body at all. Your immune no, system. No, it's not
1: it was actually really funny. So I, there were a couple of times I got sick and, and, obviously if I was sick, like he'd be like, all right, you don't have to come right. work out. Like he didn't want me to get him sick or his kids sick or anything like that. But, um, there were it, once I stopped coaching him, you know, have you ever like been through a crazy period of stress in your life where like you're working, 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 working. And then once like that project is over, you yeah, get sick. yes. So yeah. as soon as I stopped, I was sick for like two weeks and I slept almost the entire two weeks. It was just like, I was out. Um, which I think it was just my body being like you fucked me for the last three years. (laughs) So like once it was over, it was like a huge relief for my body and I could actually like relax. Um, that was, was, and then it was funny. I think I was talking to my buddy, Mike, who was Gary's first coach. Now Mike coaches him again. Um, it, I think it took me about six months to get my sleep back to normal. Uh, because when I, once I stopped having to wake up so early in the morning and coaching him and flying around, it took me about six months before I was stopping sleeping about 12 hours a night. Like I was sleeping 12 hours every single night. And it was just like, it was just like, crazy, deep, 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 deep sleep. And after about six months, then I got on a more regular, like seven to eight hours and I felt great. But if anything less than 12, I was just, I was dead for the, for like six months after that.
0: That is so great. That schedule is like insane. So what did you, what did you learn? Did you, what did you learn from him that you think is invaluable? Did you learn like some things? I
1: learned, I learned tons, tons. The the most, there are two most important things I learned from, him. like the, without question, the two most important, number one is, if you want something, you could you can work for it, and, and like that's one of the coolest things. Like because I, before I started working with him, I had my own business, and it was it was doing really well, and I I was working hard for like compared to most people. But once I saw how hard Gary worked, it was sort of like you know seeing is believing mm-hmm. type thing. Once I saw what's actually possible from a work perspective, it completely changed my mind in terms of how much time I was wasting, in terms of like what I could actually accomplish if I just actually worked. So that to me was one of the most amazing seeing is believing lessons I've ever learned. Just like, just if you want to do it, just work. Like you can do it. Just fucking work. Right. Um, not like tactics or strategies per se, just like, just put in the time yeah. and it will happen the other thing that i think is and i learned a lot but the second most important thing is for a long time i thought i wanted what gary has mm-hmm. in terms of a huge business a massive empire a thousand employees flying private that like i thought i wanted all of that and i took part in all of that with him in terms of flying private with him and doing all these things and i realized i don't want it like I don't want to do what it takes to get that, and I'm not willing to sacrifice what I would have to sacrifice in order to sustain that. And you know, now you know, I live in Dallas with my wife. We have a kid on the way, and the last thing I want to do is spend all day working. Like, I'll work a couple hours a day, but I want to be with my wife, and I want to be with our kids, and I want to you know go to jujitsu, and I want to spend a couple hours working out, not because I have to, but because I like working out. Like, I enjoy it. Like, I want to do that. I, I look at work now as something. I'll do as much as I need to in order to keep my family safe and healthy and happy and comfortable. But once that I reach that quota, I'm done, and that was a very important lesson for me. And Gary's super uh, understanding of that, and he supports that. He's like, "Listen, not everyone wants this life." And so I think for me, living that and having that experience that I could firsthand know that's not the life that I want was very helpful.
0: You know, I think that is. I'm so glad that you actually said that because I think that sometimes you have to see you got to see things in real life to know that and to know what you don't want, get you mm. closer to what you really, what that you, what you do want. Right. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what you don't know. And people, and, I, and I, this happens in my life too, people glamorize a lot of what they think things are right. You know, correct. and they think, and I have a lot of friends who are like Gary or similar, if not more than Gary And on the outside, it looks really like roses and rainbows and amazing. And then honestly, like living that life for three or four days is like, it's like so not appealing and (laughs) and people don't understand. Like, it's like exhausting. It's not like if there's no peace to it, like I don't find there's, and you don't have your own life. You're people think you're your own boss, but you're not, you have to answer to all these other cogs in the wheel to keep it spinning still.
1: Correct. There's no downtime. There's There's always a fire to put out. Yeah. And it's, yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. And how
0: do you have like a balance? Like there's no such thing as a balanced life anyway, but like, how do you have a social life? How do you have like a real balanced life? How do you actually have a happy marriage? How do you have kids who actually like know you if you're never around?
1: You know? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why. Like I didn't really, my, my dad, it was funny. Like my dad wasn't very present. Um, like we would always make jokes as a kid. Like it was funny as a kid. I thought it was hilarious. Now thinking back, like I didn't, I don't think it was good. He would never know my teacher's names. Yeah. Like he never went to parent teacher con- Like he wouldn't know the name of my teacher that year. Um, he wouldn't really come to sports games. And so for me, like that's, I want to be the exact opposite of that. Like I want to have a job that if I, if like, if I could take the whole week off, And just spend it with my kids. Cool. No problem. Like, that's what I want. That's been a lot of the driving force behind why I've worked so hard. So I could get to a point where when my wife and I were ready to have kids, like, I'm not tied down to a desk. I don't have to answer to a lot of people. Like, if I need to reschedule something, it's no problem. Like, that's what I want. And uh, I think everyone's different and that's totally fine. But for me, I, I want more balance and I want more. I want to work. I want to do something I love, but I also don't want to be forced to do it all the time right? Like I want to do something I love, but have the ability to step away when I need to. And when I want to,
0: what did your dad do for a living that he was never really?
1: Uh, So he did a lot. So he was on the radio. I mean, now like, like, like big time radio, he was on the radio for many years and he also owned a lot of nightclubs. So, um, his, so he, his work schedule was oftentimes like out super late, till really early in the morning. And then when he got back, it was like, he'd sleep during the day. Oh, yeah. So it was like more, more nocturnal.
0: Then, so that's why he was never around. But looking at your business, like I look at it and I'm like, wow, you must be like, just do, like doing content all day because you have a lot of followers and a lot of engagement. And like, to keep that in itself, I mean, you're telling me you're not, I, I, I was going to ask you, I'm like, Hey, how did you of course uh, build that following? How do you maintain it? Because, I would imagine it takes hours and hours and a lot of work to do that.
1: Yeah, it does. It now it's, it took, it was harder to build it than it is to maintain it. Uh, sort of same thing with muscle. Like it's very hard to build muscle. It's much easier to maintain the muscle you build once it's, once it's there. Right. Right. Um, so it's, so I started making content in 2011 and I built an audience, built an audience, built an audience When I started coaching Gary, I'll never forget this. So I started coaching him in June, June 1 of 2016 on December 27th of 2016. And this is all documented on my Instagram. It's still there. December 27th of 2016, I had about like 5,000 followers or something. And I wasn't posting as much on social media. I was, I was really big on email marketing at that point in my life. Um, Mm, And and Gary, Gary was like, Gary was like, I want you to post more on Instagram. And I was like, okay, how much? And he's like three times a day. And at that point I was posting maybe four or five times a week. And I was like, three times a day, you're out of your mind. I was like, people are going to unfollow me. I was like, what can I post about? He was like, just do it. So that's December 27th. I made on December 28th, I went in and he, he asked to coach him. We're in Florida at this time. We're at like a, we're at, we were at the Ritz Carlton in Florida gym. And, and he was like, did you post three times yesterday? And I lied. And I said, yes, because I only posted twice. (laughs) Um, And he didn't even follow me yet. He didn't follow me at that time. He took, he took a while to follow me once I started coaching him. So I didn't think he saw, but he checked my Instagram and he saw I only posted twice. And he's like, you're lying. I saw you only posted twice. I was like, fuck. So from December 28th, 2016 until June of of 2017, I posted three times a day, every single day without question, except for two Sundays when I only posted twice on those Sundays. And my following went from three, uh, 5,000 to over 200,000 in that timeframe. Um, and then I maintained posting at least two to three times a day, every day for the next two years or so. And my audience went from like 200,000 to 500,000 or so. And then, you know, it's continued once you have it, it's easier to build. It's like easier to get more attention and you sort of understand what works and what doesn't work. So, um, now, I, or then I was, I was working nonstop. I was just on Instagram alone for the three times a day. I was working eight hours a day just on Instagram. Um, that was not counting the Gary stuff, not counting my online clients that I had, not counting wow. my inner members. It was eight hours just on Instagram in terms of thinking of content, creating the content, posting the content. Every single time I posted, I would I would stay on for 30 minutes and answer every single question in the comment section for that at least those 30 minutes. Uh, and then, you know, DMs and QAs and all that. So every day, eight hours just on Instagram, never mind everything else I had to do. Um so yeah, it was and now, you know, I spend a couple hours a day, like I don't know, maybe two to four hours a day at, at most, usually uh, actually making content, like creating it, thinking about it, posting it. And I do spend more on QA's. I really enjoy the QAs. I have fun with that. Um, but most, most days, two to four hours on Instagram.
0: Oh my God. That's a lot of hours. So, I mean, yeah. and that, so, but do you find it's harder today than it was back when you started to build a following because there's so much more competition and like, I don't see people posting now three or four times a day.
1: Do you? No, most people don't. No, I only Gary. I mean,
0: besides Gary, I mean, like, yeah. I feel like you're the fitness version though. Yeah. Gary is in the, Even though you're an entrepreneur, right, in this space, but like in the he's like you're like the uh, the fitness version of him. You're like outspoken. You're big personality. You have very provocative, you know, uh, uh, captions that really capture people's attention and you're excellent at it best I've seen in this space in my opinion because you also have the back the knowledge to back it up versus a bunch of these dumbos who have no knowledge and they're just god knows what they're talking about (laughs) right um and you kind of like have emulated what he kind of did and so it works really well but nobody I feel posts that much at all do you besides Gary do you think now it's too much to do it like that or
1: I don't think it's too much um I, I don't think it's too much actually I think um The way, the thing that I learned is that no one will get tired of good content, Mm -hmm. right? Like no one will be mad. Oh man, this person, like if, if I decided to post three times a day and all three posts were great content, people would love it. That'd be awesome. I just have no fucking interest in posting three times a day and spending how much time it would take to actually put together three pieces of amazing content. Um, I just don't want to do that anymore. By the way, how
0: many times do you post now a day? Once, twice,
1: once? About once, once a a day on my feed, uh, once a day on my feed. um, sometimes I'll go a couple days without posting, but almost always a and a running on my story. I just, I have fun with those and those actually spark more content ideas for me. Um, but the, yeah, about once a day on my feed.
0: So then how do you like, okay. For, and then also how do you You have YouTube, you have, like, where else are you really popular? YouTube, you're pretty popular. You're not even close to where I think you should be, to be honest. Given, (laughs) But you would think that they would translate, but they don't. Like, Instagram people are not going to YouTube. It's a whole different algorithm, a whole different. Yeah. Are you trying to build on your YouTube now? Is that like a...
1: I did for a couple of years. And I went from like, when I really started trying on YouTube, I had like 20,000 just from uploading random videos over the years. I started 20,000 or from like 20,000, like 180,000. And so like my, my videos do well, but I, I haven't posted on YouTube in almost a year now, oh. just because YouTube takes up so much fucking time and I've loved my podcast. So I, the majority of my time is actually on my podcast right now. I'm recording nonstop. I love having conversations like this. It's really enjoyable. It's it's more fun for me to have a conversation like this, where I don't have to edit anything. Totally. I, I have a conversation and I upload it and it's done. Whereas YouTube, you have to like you have you have to make it perfect. And you have to edit it and you have to like put all these things in it. It's it's a lot of extra work for often less time. And I also realized that. People who are listening to, I mean, we're an hour, 15 minutes into this right now. There are people who are listening to us for over an hour, On Instagram, there are people who like, they won't even read a caption or watch a 60 second video. Like they just don't have the the mindset for it. So inherently the podcast crowd is more invested in, in me and in you and the people that are listening to, they're more invested inherently. And so I like to spend time with people who are more invested in me. And so i found for me, the podcast is the most fun. It's the most enjoyable. I get the best audience from it uh, and people who really care about what I have to say and the guests that I bring on. So, so that's where I spend the majority of my time right now is my podcast. And that's what I've been doing for the last few years. How
0: many times are you, how many times do you, uh, upload a week?
1: So I only upload once, once a week okay. mainly because my podcasts are usually at least an hour. Yeah. And most people don't listen to a podcast in full in one sitting. Right. They're like go on a car ride, listen 20 minutes, then listen 20 more minutes, whatever it is. And I realized if I, like, I put a lot of work in my podcast, just like, I know you do, and like, I want them to listen to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So. I only put out one a week because I know that's just about enough where they'll listen to the whole thing. Then they'll want the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas if I put it out every day or even three times a week, they're not going to listen to all of them. They don't have the time to actually listen to everything. Totally. So I'd rather put out a little bit less, maybe get a little bit fewer downloads, like on the charts or whatever, but make sure everyone listening listens to every episode, then put out more and have them not listen to them all.
0: So how are you monetizing everything? Because I don't see you doing a lot of, uh, paid content on, or on Instagram. I
1: do zero paid content. I I, I I was going to say, I
0: don't think I've ever seen anything paid content, like nothing. Yeah.
1: I never do paid content. Uh, I don't have advertisements on my podcast. I don't do any of that. Um, Are you just independently
0: wealthy? Did your dad leave you a big settlement?
1: (laughs) Not at all. We were very poor. Um, the, I have, I have like my, I have two memberships. So I have a membership for fitness which is, it's like, I call it my inner circle. Uh, it's like a 24 99 a month program that I have people in and then I have a membership for coaches it's like you it's a $1,500 buy-in and then 99 a month after that and that teaches coaches how to be better coaches uh, teaches them about the psychology of coaching Mm -hmm. it teaches them nutrition coaching strength training programming how to build a business social media it teaches them how to do what I've done so I have those two things and base and I have I have my podcast like the my main one for fitness and I have another one with Gary's coach Mike Vicanti and we do the business mentorship together Um, Um, And so we have a podcast just for that. So I didn't know about that
0: one. I didn't know you had that one too.
1: Yeah, it's just called the, it's called the, uh, how to become a personal trainer podcast. Um, And so for those are the two areas of monetization. And I make it very clear. Like people ask, like, why don't you do advertisements? And I would say, listen, I hate commercials. I hate advertisements. Like I don't like listening or watching content and seeing that come on. So why the fuck would I have you listen to that? if you want to support me, just join one of my memberships. And I would appreciate that. And if not, that's fine too. And that's how I do it. And I think a lot of people like, okay, listen, like I appreciate you're not putting advertisements up on all of this. So I'll support you and I'll buy your membership. Yeah.
0: Now that makes sense. Actually. Do you not do, are you a, do you have a mastermind too? Or is that kind of like a mastermind that approach?
1: Yeah. I, I it's that's the mentorship <laughs> is essentially that we, I don't like the name just because there's I a lot of, people with masterminds. Um it's, A lot of the masterminds are focused on make money as quickly as possible, even if you're doing stupid skeezy shit. And I wanted to separate myself from that world and say, if your goal is like to just make as much money while scamming people, don't even think about joining this program. This is about actually becoming a better coach, learning how to coach people properly, because there's so much. Now, more than ever, people are becoming coaches hand over fist, like people join Instagram, they just want to be a coach immediately. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, there's a lot of you, you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. So how about we create a program that teaches you how to be a personal trainer, how to do nutrition coaching, how to do strength training programming, how to do exercise technique, how to do all that stuff. And also teach you the psychology of it and teach you how to build your business from the ground up.
0: And that's the that's the $99 one, did you say? That's how much is that yes, one? That's,
1: it's like $1,500 buy-in and then $99 a month after that. Okay, And then uh, in the inner circle, it's $24.99 a month, but it's, I, it's quarterly, not monthly. So it's $75 every three months. And the reason for that is because I realized that if someone buys something for one month at a time, they often expect results immediately. And if they don't get it within that month, then they cancel. So I was like, I don't want people in this who are just only in this for a month. So in order to get that, you have to be willing to commit at least three months upfront. And that way people, I found if someone is willing to try a program for three months, they're way more successful than someone who's only willing to try it for a month. So automatically I'm sort of weeding out people who just want the quick fix and just, I want people who are ready to give this like a long-term shot.
0: And what are they getting for 24 and 95 different than the 90? I know that what the 99 is. What's the 24? What do you get for 24 so, or 75 so every you know three months?
1: Yeah. It's, it's basically like, um, number one is you get workouts and oh, it's not okay. just random. It's not random workouts. It's every month we have a new training program. So I have a three times a week option mm-hmm. and a four times a week option. It's a periodized strength training program. Uh, we have options for the gym. We have options for at home. We have options for body weight. So you can, whatever you have access to, there's a, a workout for you every month and you get a new program every four weeks. So on the first of the month, every month, we put out a new program. Who's we? Uh, Do you have a
0: team of people or is it just you?
1: There's a, a small team. So I have a, an assistant coach. Her name is Susan Niebergall. She's an amazing, amazing <sighs> she's coach. Great.
0: You know, it's funny you say that. I saw her on Instagram like a while ago. She's a great coach. Also, she's a great trainer.
1: Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. So she was actually, she was a one-on-one client of mine many mm-hmm. years ago and then Very she good. became uh, my coach in the inner circle. So she helps with that. Uh, I have, uh, an executive chef who creates recipes with all the macros and calories every month. We put out new recipes for everyone. Um, we have uh, nutrition guidelines tells you exactly like what your nutrition should be that month. Uh, we have a massive exercise database with hundreds of exercise videos and tutorials. So every exercise for the workout you just click on it and a video will come up. And it's not just like a seven second technique. It's like right. an in-depth tutorial. And then there's a member's app. So like once you become a member, you get access to the app for free that uh, will has everything for you. It stores all your information and all that. Yeah, there, there's a ton. It's a lot. And it's not like um a lot of programs, whatever they put out, they take it out every month because they don't want people to like to have access to everything right. but i started the inner circle in 2015 so as soon as you join you get access to every program i've ever written since 2015 so every wow. month new programs so it's like you could join literally for one 3 month period and you get access to everything that's ever been put out for the last i don't know 7 years or so. how many members do you have uh, a little over 4,000 right now. In which one? Both or just? To call, no, okay. just, just in the inner circle. Oh, okay. And the other one in the
0: 99? Uh,
1: about 200 or so in, in that one.
0: And then why, have you ever thought of just doing an app, like a regular app for, you know, download for 29.99, dollars whatever. Like,
1: and you can like sell that
0: app probably eventually because of your database.
1: Um, I've thought about it. For me, it's, the amount of work that would have to go into that to make it really worthwhile would be tremendous. But you have a lot um, of it already. You have all of the work done. So we have we have an app. It's actually not uh, an app on the app, right. On the app no, store. Right. No, I know. That's it's what I'm saying. You can just put it on um, the, you
0: know, make it more available and you can The reason it. I
1: don't do that is because the app store takes about 30% of, of all income. So the app store takes 30%. And so I was... Thinking for years I wanted an app just for the inner circle, but I was like, I don't want to give away 30% of my revenue to Apple. Like that's fucking insane. So we create actually um, a member of the inner circle. Her name is Alex. She, she was like, I would love to make that for you and we can make it a web app. So this way you don't, it doesn't have to be in the app store. I still get hundred percent of the revenue and, um, and this way, like the members, they can use it. They get it for free. They don't have to go through the app store and we're not at the mercy of the app store. So, uh, if they decide to increase, like I'm a big fan of not building your house on someone else's lawn. (laughs) Right. So like, and I think a lot of people who build apps on the app store, they're essentially building their house on someone else's lawn. It's the same way if you build your business solely dependent on, on Instagram. Instagram. I was gonna you're, say you're to you, building your house on someone else's lawn. That's why like I get a lot of people on my email list or my texting list. I like push people to other platforms because I don't want to depend only on one platform. So um this way the inner circle is solely dependent on me and not dependent on Apple or the app store or any of that.
0: No, that's a, again, that's a great point. Super rash makes perfect sense. Then how do you build an email list? Cause you were saying that earlier, obviously like there's like, there's some talent required here, right? Like even with Gary, right? It's like people say, oh, make content, but to have the ideas and to do it. Well, is a skill you know like not mm-hmm. everyone is good at it it's it can be very mm-hmm. like daunting for a lot of people um that's number one so obviously you, did you have to practice that did you how did are you just naturally really good at that or you know like even if you were watching gary for all those years you obviously before that and naturally have that that talent um and then also how how did you build an email list how can someone start doing that it's also very hard because you need to have something yeah. to go with right
1: yeah Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot, I think number one, I'm very blessed. I think I'm naturally good at it. But if you go look at my old content, like from 2011 to 2015, whether it's articles or YouTube videos, you'll see a very different person. You'll see a younger kid who's very nervous, not well-spoken um, you know, I used to get made fun of like on my YouTube videos, cause I was clearly very nervous and red in the face and <laughs> swaying back and forth. Cause I was really nervous. Like, you know, it's, I didn't have a big audience. I was just like, I was nervous to be on camera. And I think a lot of it is just, it's time and practice and putting in the reps, just like with everything. Um, I spent a lot of time studying email marketing and I spent a lot of time studying sales copy and I spent a lot of time studying how to, how to do that stuff. So, I think naturally I'm, I'm gifted in conversation and with understanding behavior and psychology. And I did study that. And that's what I studied in university is behavioral health psychology. Um, but studying it and putting it into practice helped the, the most. My first ever product launch in 2000, it was 2014 or 2015, first ever product launch, I sold zero copies, not one. Um I made an entire seminar it was the elite performance squat seminar. It was like 20 hours. I spent thousands of dollars trying to like get graphics made for it. I was like six months in the making, not one fucking copy sold. Um, and I think it just goes to show you like, like now I am where I am because I put in a lot of time and a lot of effort. And I studied a lot and I practiced and I failed, but I wasn't great at the very beginning. Like I had real big failures and, um, and yeah, and that's part of the process. But now, I think one of the best from an email list perspective, like I use Aweber. I used to I have Aweber and Mailchimp. I think Aweber is way better. It's just much easier to use, and the customer service is fucking phenomenal. Um, but in terms of building an email list, it, it's re- creating something free that people would really like, and make it really, really good. One of the, the, I think one of the reasons I've I've been able to do what I've been able to do is because I give all my best content away for free, like. Social media content, um, email free email list content, and give all the best stuff away. And I don't. I think a lot of people they want to hide their best stuff because they're like, well, if I give you my best stuff, why would I pay you? And it's the exact opposite way that it works. If you give them your best stuff and they trust you, they want to support you that's people would like to support people who help them. So for me, most of my business is built on on the back of goodwill, not based on on saying I have this secret that you need and you'll only get it if you pay me. It's saying, no, I'm going to give you everything for free. And if it helps you, I hope you'll support me. And that's what people do. And I, I really think that that's why I've been able to do what I do because people, they get everything for free. They really enjoy it. And they're like, all right, like I would like to support them. And I would rather have a business built on people wanting to support me than people feeling like they need the next best thing. Because mm-hmm. if people only pay me because I have a secret, well, once they get that secret, why are they going to stay with me? They will to There's someone else with the next secret. I would rather have a business like, it's like a local, imagine like a local store where you really like the owners. They're a great couple and they have like, mm-hmm. yeah, like you could probably maybe get a better coffee at a chain, but you like supporting that store because you like them and they're nice. And every time you go in, they give you a free muffin or whatever it is. It's like you support them. I'm, I'm the nice baker giving you a free muffin and I've got the okay coffee, but you like to support me. It's like, totally. that's what I like to, that's what I like to do. God, you're so likable. You really are.
0: You really are. I mean, I don't even, gosh, I mean, I've been going on and on at an hour and a half already. I, I'll, I'll like, let this, I'll wrap this up because, you know, you've been so gracious with your time. Can you just give me a, one more thing? Just tell me your daily habits. Uh, what you do every day and then I'll let you go. But only I'll only let you go if we can do this again really soon. Do you promise?
1: I would love that. Absolutely. Okay. I would love that. It'd be great. Okay good. Um I'll give you my cell phone number so if you want to set it up we can schedule it over text. Oh my god, absolutely. Um, I
0: this is I like, this has been so enjoyable. I have to tell you. I've had a lot of different people on this podcast, but you really are so genuinely likable and like you're like such an, you you are so, off, you seem so authentic. It's such a nice Thank quality. You. It really is.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And you um, were in
0: Israel for, you lived in Israel. So that's a whole
1: other. It's thing my favorite thing. place. We're actually, my wife and I want to make Aliyah. So uh, yeah, we're, we're, we want to do that very soon.
0: Wow. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are you serious?
1: <laughs> yeah. you're
0: <Jordan, laughs> like. I'm telling you, I just, I, I adore you. Uh, I do, I do. Sorry. Okay, so tell me your daily habits, and you can, you can go and start the process.
1: <laughs> uh, daily habits. So, um, we're about to have a baby, so we're trying to get as much sleep as we can now. Mm-hmm. Um, you should. So I don't set an alarm. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Ha- I don't have an alarm right now. I just wake up naturally, which is usually around like eight thirty or nine, which is great. Um, wow, lucky and- you. Yeah, I love it. It's great. I know it'll go soon once the baby's born, but sort of soaking it in right now for the next four Is months. your wife
0: pregnant right now? Yeah. How, yeah, how yeah. many months is she? Is she?
1: Uh, five months pregnant. Wow. Or oh. Four months to yeah. Wow. Congratu- <laughs> Muzzle tilt. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so... what first thing I do, I'll wake up, I'll have some breakfast. I usually like start my day with a huge fiber bomb of just like a breakfast, like a a fiber and protein. Uh, just like, I feel better that way. Um, and then I, the next thing I do is I go to jujitsu. I do jujitsu six times a week in the morning. So I usually do that about 10 AM. And, uh, so go from jujitsu. I come back, uh, eat a little bit. And then I do a couple hours of work, usually a couple of podcasts. Uh, and then from there I, That's after that, then after a few podcasts, then I make some Instagram content, usually a reel with a wig on or something (laughs) ridiculous. And then, um, and then after that, then I get my next workout in. So I do jujitsu in the morning and then I'll do strength training and cardio at night. So, uh, I'll do strength training three to four times a week and I'll do cardio like every day. Um, Really. Yeah. Every day I'm doing some type of cardio, whether it's usually like some type of zone two cardio, lower intensity, 30 to 40 minutes, just like for, for heart health and for, for performance, uh, two times a week, I do higher intensity sprint work, which sucks and I hate it, but yeah, I have to do it. Do um, so that's just two times a week of that. And then, uh, Sunday is just a full out rest day, but I, I still get my steps in on Sunday. You do. So you still walk on Sundays? Oh yeah. In my, every, every Sunday, my wife and I, we go to the farmer's market and we'll get, we like to get 10,000 steps. And when she's been pregnant, her feet have been hurting. So not yeah. 10,000 for her, but uh, I try and get at least 10,000 a day.
0: So how much cardio and strength are you doing besides the, because isn't jujitsu cardio kind of like.
1: Yeah, it is. It's brutal. It's it's, it's brutal. cardio. Right. So you're doubling,
0: um, you're doubling down every day.
1: Yeah. It's when I first started jujitsu, I actually, when I first started doing it several years ago, I had to stop strength training and stop doing cardio just because it was, I was so exhausted just from the stress of jujitsu. Yeah. That's all I, that's all I did for the first like six months. I had to stop strength training and stop doing anything else. Cause I would come back from jujitsu in the morning and I'd take a nap. I would be so tired, right. but now as my body's adapted to it, and I've gotten more fit, like I'm in the best shape of my life right now. Like, I'm by far uh, the most conditioned, like the most fit and healthy I've ever been. So I do jujitsu in the morning. And then from there, I slowly added in three days a week of strength training. So then, so I did that for about a year, year and a half or so. And then about a year ago, then I started adding in more cardio on top of it to help with my performance. So now I'm just at a point where I, I, my tolerance is so high and like my fitness level is so high that I can do that much. I don't program that much for regular people, but I am an active jujitsu competitor. So I, st- I compete right. in jujitsu once every six weeks or so. So I'm trying to just try and compete as much as I can and get as good as I can. So I have another competition on May 15th. And wow. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. So then how much, how long are your sessions of strength and cardio at night? Is it
1: how long? So jujitsu, jujitsu is an hour, uh, uh, and strength is usually about 40 minutes. And then cardio is about 30 to 45 minutes as well. So what kind of
0: cardio besides walking do you do? Uh,
1: so, so walking, I just, I consider just like my daily movement in general, like for, for my favorite kind of cardio, like when I'm actually just doing regular cardio focused on improving my cardiovascular health, I like the elliptical, um, Mm. no impact. Mm. No impact on my ankles, knees, or, or hips or back. You know, I power lifted for years. So I've got some nagging back pain. I've got some nagging stuff. And I do treadmill sprints occasionally, but running in general, I feel it. Like I feel it. I'm more sore. My, I'm more stiff. So I love, uh, the elliptical because just because there's no impact, it feels great. It's basically cross-country skiing. If you think yeah, about yeah. it, the elliptical. And then I also use the assault bike, which is the yeah. devil's tricycle. It's just the worst. I hate it. Um, yeah. But I do that for my sprints. You do that. So you use that for your sprints. Okay. So how, I, I use the bike for my sprints. So how
0: long yeah. is your cardio session on the days you're not doing your sprints? 30 minutes? Uh, between 30, 30 to 45. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then do you do splits of the strength? Or are you doing like body part, like ab, you know, buys and tries and ch- are you, are you doing full body? How are you breaking it up?
1: So I do a, a push pull leg oh. split. Okay. So that's, I, I prefer for most people, um, upper, lower splits, like upper mm-hmm. body, lower body, upper body, lower body, four times a week. I found specifically for jujitsu, I prefer the push pull legs. Um, mainly just because there are a lot of reasons, but for jujitsu, there's so much stress on your body already that if I'm do if I was doing upper, lower, upper, lower four times a week, it was too much in one single mm-hmm. session, but the push pull leg splits it up enough where I can be done in 30 to 40 minutes. It's not too much. I get what I need and I'm out.
0: Wow. So you're like, you're like very active. Is your wife as active as you? I mean, now she's pregnant. I get it, but was she as active as you were?
1: She, yeah, she's very active. She loves it. It's funny. She's not in the fitness industry at all. Um, she, I mean, before we started dating, she was working out like a lot. She, she just loves it. She just loves, likes being active as well. Um, I think, my jujitsu puts it a little bit above hers. Um, but she, she's moving all day. Like she's nonstop. She, she, and she likes fitness classes. Like she'll do F45 yeah. and that stuff. And then she'll do my inner circle strength workouts after that. Like she's a beast. Yeah. And it's funny because like she's super cute and like just shy and relaxed, but like she, she goes hard in the gym.
0: I love that. Oh my gosh. You guys are so cute. Okay. Um, I'm so, I'm so, um, excited for you for your baby that's really do you know if it's a boy or a girl are you telling anybody or
1: so we do but it's a secret okay. for right okay, now
0: okay okay <laughs> i'm not gonna even i don't want to even uh okay we'll change the subject <laughs> i want to nope um okay so listen this has been i told you i just i really adore you so for anybody who doesn't know not know who, uh, who jordan is jordan tell everyone where they can find you and your programs and everything else
1: yeah, so you can, you know, if you Google my name, Jordan Syatt, S Y A T T, you'll find me everywhere. But Instagram, my own podcast, just Google my name. If you if you want to, it's I am always shocked at how people don't know how to use Google. To be honest, people ask me on Instagram all the time. They'll be like, "Where can I find your podcast?" I'm like, "Well, if you type in," Jordan Are you serious? Syatt podcast, all the time. Constantly. Yeah. So if you want to find me, like, I would love to have you and just Google my name and whatever platform you want. And I'm there.
0: <laughs> That's super easy. Okay, great. Uh, don't hang up. But I'm just going to say for those of you, thank you so much, Jordan. It was a pleasure. Uh, and you're going to be back. You promised. I'm going to get your, your information now.
1: I promise. Toda. Oh, toda. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> toda. I love it.